0: Hello there, nice to have you with me again today, and this is the Psychology Report. This is part two of a series that I'm introducing regarding what is called the Marriage Game. I'm drawing from a book that was written by that title, The Marriage Game, by Dr. Charles and Margaret House, two psychologists in the area of um, mental health, living in Fresno, California, and uh, wrote this book as a kind of a manual for patients that they saw in therapy to help them understand marriage and the relationship of a marriage and the potential of a marriage and really what the issues are in a marriage that has to be faced by anybody who is contemplating marriage or is deeply involved in a marital relationship. So what I did the other day is I introduced the issue of the marital game or the marriage game by looking at what marriage is and whether you're ready uh, for marriage. Uh, just because somebody is at age 20 or 21, 3, 4, 5, or 6, whatever, does not mean they're ready for marriage. Uh, you have to have certain qualifications and you have to have certain experiences and a certain level of maturity to be ready for the marriage game. And I made the distinction in that report that there's a difference between graduating from high school and graduating from high school behavior. It's the second part. Graduating from high school behavior is what you have to do before you're ready for the marriage game. You have to understand what marriage is, obviously, but you have to come to a level of maturity yourself when you put away your high school attitudes and behavior patterns and thought patterns and ways of life and move up into a level of independence and maturity and uh, consideration for others more than consideration for yourself. Well, anyway. Well that was the uh, topic the other day, and if you didn't catch it, I recommend that you go back to it, the first part of the marriage game. So today what I'd like to do is just take a look at part two, what is considered the marriage game, but also what we consider to be the safe environment of a marriage, the safe environment of the home or the apartment or the complex or where we live in a marriage, but it needs to be a safe environment, and obviously a marriage environment is the relationship. The place you live is the environmental uh, physical being, the physical state, the physical room and space that you occupy. That must, needs to be safe as well. But the relationship has to be safe. So let's make a distinction. Your apartment, your home needs to be in a safe environment. That means it needs to be in a street, in a location of a city and town where you are safe. And if, if one person is there and the other one is not, That person is safe in the home environment or the apartment environment, needs to be safe from predators, needs to be safe from uh, any kind of distracting or abusive or violent potential that might come from within the apartment or within the neighborhood or from outside the neighborhood, if you will. But the home needs to be in a safe environment because the people who live there, the marital relationship needs to have a solid, firm, and uh, confident and safe foundation. And certainly if there are children involved in that marriage, then that home or that apartment needs to be even extra safe because it's not only safe for the wife or the husband, or the, but it has to be safe for the children as well. And therefore, that is a higher level of safety that you are required to meet, you are required to consider and to implement to make sure that that is a safe environment. But what I really would like to emphasize is a safe relationship. Because safe relationships are really, no matter where you live, they are essential in making sure the marriage has success, but the marriage has every option of success, you know, possible. So, number one, in the safety rule, if you will, a safe environment requires communication and behavior which is governed by rational thought, not by feelings. Now, get that point, okay? Okay. That relationship, the marital relationship is safe if the communication in that relationship and the behavior patterns which which are interactive in that relationship must be based on rational thinking, on intellectual thinking, on reasonable thinking, on mature thinking, on good judgment and good decision making, not on feeling. You know, we feel one way today and feel a different way tomorrow. So if your relationship is based on feelings, it's going to be up and down. And if you have more down days and up days, that marriage is going to be in great trouble. Because feelings change by circumstances, by situations you're in, by people you uh, associate with, events which happen beyond your control, traumas that come into your life, work experiences which uh, come into your life and uh, take a course of their own and might take you with it if you feel. If you base your behavior, base your thinking, base your relationship on feeling. Obviously, in every marriage, there needs to be that feeling of love and caring and uh, interest and uh, joy and happiness. I mean, obviously, there's a feeling level there that must come up above the level of zero or one, two, or three. It's got to be up four, five, six, seven, eight, nine on a 10-point scale. Of course, you want feeling. You want positive feelings towards each other. You want attraction towards each other. But the relationship really is based upon rational thinking. It moves forward on the base of the good judgment you make, the good decisions you make. It moves forward and it enriches and strengthens and becomes positive you know, on the basis that you have applied rational thought, logical thinking, uh, good judgment you know, to the decision-making that you do within your marriage, whether it's buying a car, or a refrigerator, or buying clothing. Uh, you do this on the basis of rational thinking, not on the basis of just whether it feels good or looks good. You say it's a basis of whether this is economically wise and whether it's a good judgment call to buy something or to pass up and buy something else altogether or wait until you can afford it. And obviously, a safe environment means that you don't overspend, you don't put yourself at risk financially but that you think ahead, that you plan ahead, and that you make sure that you have the finances in order to buy the car, or to buy the refrigerator, to buy the clothing, or to buy a pair of shoes. I mean, it's easy to kind of think, well, this is what I would like because I feel good when I do this, or that would make me feel good when I buy these things. No, 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 no. Is it a good judgment to make at the time? Are you able to handle it financially? Are you able to handle it in a manner that would not put you at risk or put you at a point of conflict one with the other? And obviously in a marriage, you know, the wife may come from a home where the finances were handled very tightly and very in a controlled manner. And Maybe the husband comes from a home and a finance background that is very free and very liberal. Well, you're going to have trouble. You better get that organized together so that you have a safe environment of the marriage. You have a safe relationship, which means that you both feel the same and you think the same way regarding finances and money. Uh, you can't let money be on the basis of your feelings of one person versus the feelings of another person. Then you're going to really have conflict with each other. So you both have to start to think logically and reasonably and rationally in your finances of the marriage as well as you know, how you handle the children, how you handle friends, how you handle grandparents, how you handle your own parents, how you handle uh, people that come and go out of your life and with whom you do business, all that. It's got to be done rationally so the two of you are on the same plane, thinking similarly and feel good as a result of the fact that you've made rational decisions. And you will. If you base your life on rational thinking and decision making, you will feel good as a result of that. You say, don't turn it the other way around. I feel good, so I'm going to make this decision. Or I feel bad, so I'm going to make this decision. You're going to be all over the map, and you're going to have trouble with each other. You're going to have trouble long run. You're going to find yourself in debt. You're going to find yourself in conflict. You're going to find yourself outside the box, and maybe outside the home, uh, if you live, you know, according to just emotions. So, emotional maturity, intellectual maturity are the same. They got to come together, so that the marriage game is based upon the intellect. You solve problems on intellect. You create a protection for the partner. You. Create protection for yourself. You don't live by temper tantrums. You don't live by putting your fist through the wall. You don't live by pouting. You don't live by going off into your own room or going for a drive just to kind of calm down. You don't live that way. That's high school stuff. That's junior high stuff. You live in the marriage game, which is a mature living, and you come together on what is best in the interest of both of you and what is intellectually wise and what is smart It's called smart living, smart daily living. Okay, so that's safety rule number one, okay? You want a safe environment. That is, the relationship must be safe, not just the place where you live is to be safe. And now number two is a safe environment recognizes the importance of tenderness, kindness, and compassion. Here's what that means. You have a safe relationship when it's based upon kindness because there's no fear. It's the absence of fear. You can't have fear in kindness or in a kind environment. They don't mix. So if you don't have kindness, you may have fear, obviously. But if your environment, your relationship is based upon kindness, fear leaves. Fear evaporates, if you will. It's the same thing with compassion. You have compassion one for the other. Fear leaves. You say doubt leaves. Uncertainty leaves unsureness leaves because compassion draws people together, harshness draws people apart. So you want to make sure that that relationship is safe because it has tenderness in it, kindness in it, and compassion in it, so that we don't use profane words, we don't use profane language, we don't use profane jokes. You know, we don't live our life on the basis of threat and dominance and um, demands. That's the absence of caring. That's the absence of tenderness. Those are harsh ways to live. Those are harsh uh, lifestyles to create and to live within. You can't do it very long. Those are short-lived relationships, whether you're dating or whether you're in a marriage game. But if you're in a marriage game, kindness, compassion, tenderness must prevail and must be the strength of that marriage. And the basis of that relationship. It must define the relationship. It must magnify the relationship. It must mirror the relationship to the world. Other people that look at you must see kindness. Must see compassion. You know? And then they're going to be attracted to you. And that brings friendships into your life. That brings people into your life. Where harshness sends people away. You know? Unkindness sends people away. Um uh, demands and authoritarianism all sends people away and sends people far away, but you want that sense of coming together, that drawing together, that bonding together, that melting together, if you will, and that's through kindness and uh, compassion and caring, okay? That's number two. Number three, a safe environment in a marriage means no emotional or physical abuse okay that's the extreme that's the opposite end of caring and compassion and tenderness that's the opposite end of the continuum you say it should have the kindness it should have the uh, caringness it should have the compassion that's true but it must not have you say emotional and physical abuse that's what it must not have and if you're in a marriage you're not playing the marriage game if you're abusive of each other. You're not playing the marriage game at all. You don't even deserve to be in a marriage. You see? That marriage must be stopped and, it, and its tracks the minute abuse raises its ugly head and shows itself within a relationship. That marriage stops and the partners must pause and give cause to the abuse and seek psychotherapy, and seek counseling, and seek marital counseling, and seek whatever is necessary, anger management, if you will, tension management, communication skill development, you know, whatever, so that will never, ever happen again. So if you're in a marriage and you have one incident of what you consider to be emotional or physical abuse, stop the marriage at that point in time. Stop going forward and do something that will cause that relationship to be redefined, reorganized, restructured for the future. You cannot allow that to go on and say, well, that was just a mistake, or that was just an overreaction, or I just kind of lost my control, or I didn't think that was really what you, how it would come out, or I didn't think you would see it as abuse. That's all, those are all excuses, and they, have, they carry no water whatsoever. Don't allow those kind of excuses to prevail. Don't allow those kind of excuses to come into your life and to justify some kind of an abuse that that took place. If you are in a relationship that blames you and blames each other, that relationship must stop because blame separates. Blame divides. Blame keeps people apart. Draws people apart. So abuse, emotional abuse, is like blaming, you see? Maybe that's not physical abuse, but it is kind of a psychological abuse. If you're blamed for everything, and one person takes no responsibility and the other and blames the other one for everything, that's got to stop. You cannot allow that relationship to go on one more day when blaming starts to occur in that relationship. You've got to get into marriage counseling. You have to get into psychotherapy. You have to get into some kind of a counseling program, anger management program, and get that changed so the marriage can have a future and can go forth on a much ba- better and positive note than otherwise you know, has been the case or would be the case, you're saying. So your marriage cannot be on the basis of threat, cannot be on the basis of blame, cannot be on the basis of the fact you have to live by some kind of restraining order, one against the other, whether it's legally produced or whether you just have an agreement that you have a restraining order, which means you separate and you don't talk to each other, you don't see each other, you don't deal with each other until you get these things taken care of. If you have to live on a restraining order, that marriage has no health to it, no positiveness to it, you see. So make sure that your marriage has the absence, the total absence of emotional and physical abuse and has the total absence of threat and blame because that does not carry any water in a marital relationship. And the marriage game has to stop. It's, it, it's, it's over until that gets all corrected. And, uh, and it may take weeks, months, may take a year, but it's got to get corrected. And if you separate on the basis of these factors, you don't come together until that has changed and there's been a period of time of proof and confidence that change has occurred and it's solid, it sticks, it's genuine. That may take six months. After the change was made, before you can really begin to trust each other. You see, you can forgive each other. When abuse takes place, obviously there has to be forgiveness. When blame takes place, obviously there has to be forgiveness. When you're threatening each other, obviously there has to be forgiveness. When you ignore each other and don't talk, obviously it has to be forgiveness. But trust has to also be rebuilt. And trust comes along very slowly. We rebuild trust like a snail. It goes at a snail's pace. Forgiveness can be done today. Forgiveness can be done in a moment's notice. We We can ask for forgiveness. Sincere forgiveness, even. But it's trust that you have to build your relationship on. And forgiveness just starts the process of trust being rebuilt and being reinstituted within that relationship when it's been broken. And all kinds of physical and emotional abuse breaks trust. All kinds of threat breaks trust. All kinds of blame breaks trust. You see? All kinds of threat breaks trust. So it's that trust you have to protect. And the trust gives the marital relationship a a measure of safety. An array of safety. So there's safety within trust. But when trust is not there, there's doubt, suspicion, uh, uneasiness, irritability, unsureness, and uh, just pure uh, fear. Now number four. What makes a safe environment? A marital environment. The marriage that is based upon some type of faith. That there's a faith that undergirds the marriage. That faith needs to be personal. That faith needs to be interactive. That faith needs to be daily. That faith needs to be live and well. needs to be mutually shared. And whether you go to one church or another church, or a different church, or however you do your church thing, there has to be a basis of Christian faith that underrides every marriage for that marriage to have a level of safety, because religion does provide a measure of safety to people, because by living according to the tenets of Scripture, living according to the tenets of one's Christian faith, living according to one's tenets of one's church, provides a sense of safety, because it's based upon loving each other, it's based upon caring for each other, it's based upon compassion for each other. You know, faith is based upon these kind of factors. Of thoughtfulness and of carefulness and of, and of sharing a joy together and sharing a richness of goodness together so that there is a, a relationship that grows and develops rather than shrinks and becomes uh, inward and maybe even dies. Faith gives life, gives life to the marriage, gives safety to the marriage gives freedom to the marriage, gives joy to the marriage, gives opportunity to the marriage, and brings a marriage together and brings it into a sense of feeling safe, but also feeling comfortable and feeling confident and feeling futuristic in your thinking so that the wisdom of that marriage, the wise basis of that marriage will flourish and thrive. Hey, nice to have you with me today, Um, and if you didn't pick up part one on the marriage game, I recommend you go back to it and uh, listen to that one, and then pick up this one, because they kind of are in sequence, and they'll be very helpful. If you know somebody that's uh, contemplating marriage in the next couple of months, we're coming into the marriage time, make sure they get these two podcasts and listen to them. This (laughs) this would be their premarital counseling, if you will. Make sure you provide it so that they have premarital counseling from these two sessions, part one and part two. And uh, that will help them understand whether this is a marriage that should go forward or not, and whether it will be a successful marriage or not. So make sure this becomes available to them. And if you know somebody that's recently been married, give them this podcast. Have them listen to these two podcasts and reevaluate where they are in their marriage. Because even a marriage that's maybe a year old, or six months old might be able to be strengthened by listening to this podcast and to the one that we did the other day. So give these two podcasts to make sure that anybody that's newly married has the benefit of strengthening that marriage by these uh, comments and a piece of advice that I make in these two podcasts. And even if you've been married 50 years, you know, there's much to be learned. And listen to the podcast from, in terms of how it applies to you now. Not how it applied to you when you got married, but how does it apply to you now? 50 years into a marriage or 30 years into a marriage, how does it apply to you? And make sure that you strengthen your marriage and improve your marriage by the fact that you are taking another look at it wherever you are in that marriage game. Commit to it. Stay with it. Make sure that even in the times of trouble, you stay with it. There was a research study done. And I'll close on this. There was a research study done of couples that were contemplating divorce and separation. And half the couples that were studied stayed with it. And they did not separate and they did not divorce. The other couples did. They separated and divorced. And when they went back and talked to them, five years later, the ones that stayed with it said they were glad they did. And the ones that did not stay with it uniformly said they were sorry they did not stay with it. In other words, five years later, you'll be glad you stuck with it, even though you're going through some tough times. Okay, this has been the Psychology Report. Glad to have you with me. Go to my website, booksbyhedberg.com, and uh, pick up a book there. you got Father's Day coming. Uh, my book, Lessons from My Father, would be a great book to give your father for Father's Day. So it's booksbyhedberg.com. Bye for now.